We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Hello and welcome to another Dynasty Command Center podcast. I am your host, Travis May. I am not joined by Curtis Patrick this week, but uh, he will be back here very soon. Uh, Just want to talk about some of the next generation's NFL stars. And no, we're actually not talking about the ones going to be drafted here in the next couple weeks. Actually going to be taking a look at some of the players returning to college football this year. Obviously, we're going to be talking about rookies for the next several weeks into months uh, as we hype up these players, hoping that they break out in the NFL. And we've been talking about them this spring quite a bit. But for those of you that want to take a look and, and get ahead of your league mates, or maybe you have Debbie drafts going on, maybe you have college football drafts going on. Uh, I know this spring I've had to turn down league after league after league for the most part uh, in terms of startups, but have had the chance to get into a college the Canton League. And so really been digging into a lot of the next generation's NFL stars that are still in college football and actually just did a piece uh, or two actually uh, over at Rotoviz just talking about some transfer players, uh, players that are finding new homes in college football uh, and really dove into the hit rates of transfer players and what that meant uh, for their NFL futures. And so I do want to speak into that some because we've had some interesting transfers this offseason that I think uh, a lot of people are looking at and we'll dive into those here shortly. But also 
I want to talk, talk about some players that, you know, their situations are going to look a little bit different for 2020. They're, you know, maybe a, there's a new coaching staff in place. Maybe they just had a few teammates go to the NFL. And so they're going to have a much larger opportunity this season. I want to talk about those players because those players, if you draft them this spring or do some research into them throughout this entire year and you're more prepped than your league mates, you're going to be a good in a good position to have a leg up in your dynasty leagues, whether it's Debbie, whether it's just college, whatever you are playing, what is whatever your favorite form of uh, dynasty fantasy football is, want to prepare you guys for that with this episode. And yes, I, I always hear, you know, why do you, why do you even plan this far ahead? I mean, some people don't even start till January before the draft, and that's that sometimes really puts you in a bad spot because. There's always going to be some Clyde Edwards Hilaires that show up and the, you know, have a great late last season breakout or whatever. Uh, but really understanding a player's story, their production profile throughout college and strengths before all the laggards who haven't been paying attention until January start spewing hot takes on all their favorite players that they just figured out where existed 10 seconds ago. After they start spewing those hot takes, it can, it can be kind of difficult sifting through all the noise of all the people who really have no idea what they're talking about, but like to uh, yell really loud and, and act like they do. But before we dive into specific players, I do want to talk about the hit rates and success of transfer players at uh, quarterback, at running back, and wide receiver. Uh, just because I did talk about that in my recent article on Rotoviz. Uh, just breaking that down uh, before we get to some of these fun transfer players and new situation type players. Uh, because obviously we can think of some quarterbacks off the top of our head when we think of uh, successful transfers. I mean, like thinking back to Cam Newton going from Florida to Auburn, Russell Wilson, NC State to Wisconsin, you know, and, and then even more recently, you got guys like Baker Mayfield. Uh, so a lot of people don't know Josh Allen was a Juco transfer guy. You know, even Jacoby Brissett was a transfer back in the day. Nick Bowles was a transfer and obviously Kyler Murray was a transfer. And this year, we might have a couple other transfers finding some success in Joe Burrow. So there's been a lot of names uh, just coming up here recently that have worked out, at least on paper, uh, and may look like they may pan out here in the next few years. I think there's still question marks around guys like Baker and and Kyler, but we, we tend to believe that there's going to be a lot of success there. And quarterbacks actually, transfer quarterbacks actually account for 17% of the QBs drafted inside day two since 2010. Uh, and so that's quite a bit. Uh, that's definitely not what it was uh, dating back before that. Really, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, those guys started kind of a QB trend. And really the transfer portal that uh, has become so popular, and a lot of people kind of talk about that, that's become more popular. And we're seeing more and more transfers, and it's easier to transfer and play immediately with uh, the, the waiver system they have and the red shirt rules changing. So people can you know play in four games and then still red shirt. So they're, they're sticking around. And they can, uh, you know, it's just easier to transfer and find success, I think, now than ever, especially at the quarterback position. But wide receiver transfers have actually really been heating up since 2015 as well. In fact, eight wide receivers have been drafted inside day two or better uh, since 2015 that were transfer guys. And so uh, there's lots of success we're seeing uh, for the quarterbacks, wide receivers, uh, running backs, we we haven't seen that break out that much just yet. I mean, really, the only successful transfer running back since 2010 or so is Alvin Kamara. Uh, he, he obviously went to Alabama, ended up transferring to Tennessee, worked his way on the field, and you know got some day two capital. But we have not seen any transfer running back get day one capital. 
uh, since 2010. So really, in, in recent years, we really only seen Alvin Kamara and you know Charles Sims kind of had his moment, had a, one decent season. But a couple other examples that have at least gotten some capital. But running backs, we've not seen uh, break out if you know after they transfer for the most part. But I think with the transfer portal and it being easier now than ever to play immediately uh, and, and just getting into position where you can produce uh, right out of a transfer, you don't have to wait a whole year anymore just to get on the field. I think we're going to see some more success at that position too. And, and with that said, I think the one name everybody is excited about that is a transfer this offseason for college football is Trey Sermon. Obviously, coming over from Oklahoma, he, he actually was draft eligible this past year. And obviously, he had a decent season as a true freshman uh, way back in 2017. Uh, it looked like he was actually going to be a decent option. <laughs> he actually caught 16 balls and had you know about 800 something almost 900 yards from scrimmage 2018 almost put together a really good year uh, had you know another 12 catches not a ton but uh, had over a thousand total yards from scrimmage and then 2019 happened and it was a major disappointment uh, obviously struggled to stay uh, healthy all the all year and they were you know they were feeding the ball really to Jalen Hurts all season long in the ground he was he was the lead rusher uh, lead running back really and quarterback for them obviously just wanted to change of scenery and so he goes into Ohio State and that looks like and that looks like a really prime opportunity because obviously J.K. Dobbins is going to be drafted highly this year and he had 23 total touchdowns last year plenty of opportunity to score and not to mention they still have the best perhaps the best quarterback in the nation and Justin Fields returning and Master Teague obviously he he was he was supposed to be the guy, but he had an Achilles injury this spring, and that actually probably prompted the need for Sermon to come in uh, and be the guy. Uh, there's not really much else uh, to compete with. There's Crowley, there's uh, Steel Chambers, there's you know, there's, there's a few other guys that might compete for some touches, but this backfield should be Sermon's, and, and this is again, this backfield just lost over like 70% of the running back production uh, just last year. High-powered offense. Given Sermon's skill set, it's going to be hard for him to screw this up. So if anybody's going to get day two capital out of the transfers or running backs with you know new scenery this year, it looks like it's most likely going to be Trey Sermon. Obviously, there are some other fun names at the running back position that did transfer. We're actually still waiting to hear on uh, some of the most interesting transfer running backs like Jatarvius Whitlow, Ricky Slade, uh, uh, JT Whitlow or Booby Whitlow, whatever you want to call him. Uh, for Auburn, decided. He, I mean, we don't really know much much about the reason for his transfer, other than uh, Gus Malzahn, the coach, said that he wanted a you know kind of a fresh start. But uh, he's got plenty of opportunities he could go find. And then Ricky Slade was. I mean, just in 2018, he was he was supposed to be the really the best running back in the country in that class. He was a top 30 recruit, had legit 4-4 speed in high school. Uh, but I think he probably lands with Old Dominion. Uh, obviously, that follows a, basically the same coach that recruited him is now coaching there, so that could be a good fit uh, for him. Hopefully, he takes the reins and runs with it. But want to talk about two running backs who had just great uh, transfer opportunities. I mean, if you look at it on paper, uh, because uh, Jayshon Corbin was with Texas A&M, and last year was supposed to be his big feature year. Jimbo Fisher loves to feature his running backs. And he, after two weeks, 
well, after one and one week and a few minutes, it was looking like it was his show. It looks like he was going to, you know, be the 25 carry a game back and just run with it. But he actually ended up going down. Isaiah Spiller ended up doing great for that offense. So he transfers looking for an opportunity where he can have a clear alpha role. And Mike Norvell just so happens to move on from Memphis and take the head coaching job at Florida State. And Mike Norvell, I don't know if you guys know much about him, if you pay attention to college football or not, but Mike Norvell loves to feed his running backs at Florida State, goes and gets Jajon Corbin out of the transfer portal, and uh, I think that's going to be a great opportunity. Obviously, they still have Kalen O'Born there at uh, Florida State, but Norvell just last year gave 282 touches to Kenny Gainwell. Uh, just last season. And two years ago, he actually gave 458 touches to Daryl Henderson and Patrick Taylor Jr. in 2018. So he loves to go through really one or two backs if he's got two really good backs. Just loves to get playmakers in space and uh, find those matchups and and just annihilate. And I think he's going to have a lot of fun with Tamori and Terry too. Uh, Obviously, Terry was already, you know, putting up ridiculous market share numbers last year. I think he had like a 35% uh, adjusted dominator rating last year. Had had just next level yards per team pass attempt numbers uh, above average across the board in his production profile last season. But I think he could even see greater market share numbers this year uh, because Norvell just loves to get the ball to those those speedy playmakers. I mean, Antonio Gibson, who is a running back slash wide receiver entering this year. He was like that chess piece that could be a running back and wide receiver. Averaged like 19 yards per reception last year. Torian Terry averaged like 19 or more yards per reception. Really almost on his career, that's basically what he does. He's going to be that vertical threat, but he could be getting some more underneath work and see a more consistent role as an all-around wide receiver instead of just that yak and depth uh, deep ball guy. So I'm really excited about the the Florida offensive pieces, uh, Florida State offensive pieces they have. Their offensive line is getting better-ish. It's still not great, but Deshaun Corbin should explode this season under Mike Norvell and the Florida State offense. And then the other running back that just landed in a perfect spot, uh, some of you Alabama fans may already be familiar with this guy, but Jerome Ford uh, came in. He was a four-star, and like many four-stars at Alabama, uh, it was not actually good enough to be you know, maybe the the Najee Harris, the, the the Trey Sanders of this of this incoming season. You know, he wasn't supposed to be the the Damian Harris, the TJ Yeldon, the you know the Kenyon Drake. He wasn't maybe necessarily going to be uh, the guy or even the one A one B back for Alabama. So he saw he saw that after one year and just decided I'm going to go uh, find an opportunity uh, that's going to appreciate me, going to get me on the field. And so he joined Cincinnati. The Bearcats over there, and obviously, if you follow college football, you know Cincinnati's been trending in the right direction as an offense for, uh, and really just as a team over the past few seasons. And uh, Mike Mike Warren or Michael Warren, the second, obviously, he was a baller last year, having over fifteen hundred yards from scrimmage, and just the absolute workhorse on that offense. And Jerome Ford really has to beat out like one guy, uh, and then he's obviously the 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 lead back this year. He's got a great opportunity in a team that's looking like they're a top 40 roster in college football could get to a really good, good bowl game this year uh, and beyond. So I'm really excited to see what Jerome Ford can possibly do as well. 
So really, I mean, the, the top three, probably just surefire guys, Trey, Sur- Trey Sermon, obviously he's been drafted for a while in Debbie Leagues. A lot of people are familiar with him, but Corbin and Ford at Florida State and Cincinnati, those two are going to be major risers. So if you have a deeper Debbie League or you have a, a college to Canton League that's kind of deeper, you know, these guys may not have been drafted uh, last year. Uh, so you might want to go fishing for them. And uh, obviously uh, the, the owner, if they are owned, might be savvy to what you're trying to do. But they're definitely targets worth looking at. And I think it will be interesting to see these uh, transfer backs and see how these start to succeed. Even though we've only seen one or two guys really make a splash in recent recent years, I think one or all three could uh, be drafted on day two uh, when when it's all said and done. A couple of the names just way down the radar. Lorenzo Lingard, former five-star, uh, was at Miami. Now he's at Florida, could work into a role there. And then Amir Rasul was actually at Florida State, but he's actually now at Middle Tennessee State. And they kind of ran their offense and ground game through the quarterback because they didn't have an option last season. But this year, having Rasul there really could change the ground game, and he could absolutely feature uh, and get back on the NFL radar here soon. But uh, but and before we do dive into, and that's probably enough for, for running backs, but before we dive into quarterbacks and wide receivers and some tandems to be looking at, just a word from our friends at Bet Online. Uh, with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. And you're missing the NFL? Well, no problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. And they're all always open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. And now on to some fun quarterbacks and wide receivers because I did mention before, those were the guys that we really have more precedent and recent history of players hitting. And I talked about some quarterback examples, but also I really want to talk about some wide receiver examples because if you don't know you know, college uh, players' histories, you might not know the names that are currently in the NFL that, that are doing great. Like uh, Marquise Hollywood-Brown had a pretty strong uh, rookie season. Uh, he, he was College of the Canyons Juco guy, went on to play at Oklahoma. Jalen Hurd, obviously, was almost like a redshirt year uh, this, this year in the NFL, but he actually did get draft capital. Uh, and, you know, he played at t- Tennessee, was supposed to be this alpha running back and then converted to wide receiver. Uh, had one good, really good year at Baylor and then got drafted. And then guys like Michael Gallup, Kenny Galladay. I mean, I, even even Cordero Patterson, who's stuck around for a long time and been productive off and on. And John Brown, a lot of people don't know he was a Juco Mars Hill College guy to Pittsburgh State, kind of a long shot, but was immensely productive, found his way to the NFL. There have been a lot more examples of wide receivers who were transfers, uh, and, you know, had a major change of scenery in the middle of college and then went on to find NFL success. There's one really, I mean, this isn't the wide receiver isn't the transfer uh, that we're going to talk about first, but Jamie Newman, uh, transfer from Wake Forest, quarterback. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, you're going to be after this year because he has a really good wide receiver in George Pickens to throw to. Obviously, some people really like Dominic Blaylock and believe him and in, in, in his future, and he could see a major uptick this year because Jamie Newman 
came from an offense that really loved to air the ball out, find two or three guys to funnel everything through, and that's just what Jamie Newman did. Last year, it was Sage Surratt. It was Scotty Washington. When Surratt went down, it was Kendall Minton, converted quarterback to wide receiver. Now, this year, he gets George Pickens, who could be the best wide receiver in the NFL, uh, well, to enter the NFL in the year 2022. Uh, obviously, had a really strong year just last season and why do I why am I more confident that they're going to air it out in Georgia because obviously I, they, they've been known for running backs they've run the ball they they establish the run they, they they run it down your throat with two backs two generally two really good backs and I don't I don't think they're going to abandon that but what they did this offseason is bring in Todd Munkin uh, and added him as their offensive coordinator and he loves to air it out he has the history of being an air raid type offense uh, offensive coordinator, and so he's really going to modernize this passing game that just is is there to you know have something to do when they're not running the ball and turn that into something that can really drive their offense down the field. So look for Jamie Newman to light it up. This is his last year, most likely, and so uh, he's going to be entering the NFL draft. He could be a name that rises quickly up draft boards. But George Pickens, uh, I mean, if we weren't already impressed by his freshman year. We could see not only some nice adjusted numbers, as he saw like a 30% dominator last year, we could see some crazy volume for him this year as well. And if that if they get that passing game opened up and rolling, I really can't wait to see what Kendall Milton, the incoming freshman, can do alongside Zamir White. Uh, I honestly think Kendall Milton could be a more balanced, better uh, pro prospect than Zamir White. Uh, and Zamir White, of, of course, is coming off uh, last year. He was okay. He, you know, before that, he had torn his ACL, and you know, so we're we're waiting to see Zamir get his opportunity. I think he could be the one B to Milton by the end of this season. So we'll see what what everything has in store for the Georgia offense. But it's going to be exciting given the pieces that they just brought in, uh, both in the coaching staff and player and personnel. So. Really excited if you're a Bulldogs fan. I'm not. I actually root for Auburn but when it comes to SEC sports. But it will be an interesting year just to see how that kind of all comes together, especially now that we haven't had to have spring ball and these uh, you know new quarterback coming in. We don't really know what's going to look like thanks to uh, the uh, COVID-19 uh, mess that it has been. But um, it'll be an interesting offseason uh, for, for Georgia and an interesting season to watch those players. Another SEC school, uh, and I, won't, I promise I won't stay just in the SEC uh, on this show, but uh, KJ Costello came, uh, he wasn't, he was at Stanford, came to Mississippi State uh, along with Mike Leach, the, the head coach for Washington State for many years. Uh, and KJ Costello is is a name that a lot of people kind of forget because you don't you don't stay up late enough to watch his games. And obviously last year at Stanford was a it was a down year for Stanford, and, and KJ Costello wasn't even healthy for most of the year. But back in 2018, he had an incredible season, uh, posted like 29, 30 touchdowns or so to like 10 or 11 interceptions. Had a really strong season, and really for his career, has posted. Uh, th- like a three to one touchdown interception ratio and like a two percent interception percentage. So really, a nice, solid, adjusted passing profile out of Costello. And now he joins the Mississippi State offense with Mike Leach uh, at the helm. And Mike Leach has been coaching at Washington State 
for a long time. And if you don't know anything about Mike Leach other than the fact that he's hilarious and that you know he he has a funny Twitter account, he also decides to uh, chuck the ball a ton down the field. In fact, his quarterbacks have have averaged 52 pass attempts per game over the last three seasons. So we're going to get to see a good look at what KJ Costello can do this season and if he's worthy of an NFL consideration. And his wide receivers, though, he's going to have to gel with them really quickly with no offseason and uh, really almost no returning production for Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State at wide receiver. We got Osiris Mitchell. I think he had like 30 catches last year. Then we got a Juco transfer and Malik Heath, who could be the second option in that offense. I mean, obviously they had some other guys that were decent recruits. Uh, one this year, one from last year. But I think at the tandem, one-two tandem, uh, is going to be Osiris Mitchell and Malik Heath that lead the production if they stay healthy. So those are two deeper names you could take a look at in college, the Canton leagues and college football leagues and Debbie leagues, anything like that, just because they're going to be force-fed targets this year. And then another quarterback, uh, one that um, I think coming into you know this past season we thought of as a, as, you know, as a really exciting rusher, a really exciting player for college football, but one that. You know, just didn't profile well for the NFL. And that's De'Aaron King, uh, who was with Houston. Now he is with Miami. And so looks like uh, he's going to get his opportunity to be the guy. And, uh, you know, on a bigger stage, uh, ACC, instead of playing uh, against Houston's competition. But the thing about this year for De'Aaron King that makes him interesting beyond his natural running ability and, and passing ability that I'll get to is the fact that Miami plays a really soft schedule this year. They avoid Clemson, they get a really soft ACC, and their out-of-conference is is pretty simple. So if he can annihilate you know, an easy slate of ACC teams this year and really put together an even more impressive passing profile than he already has to date, I think he's going to be incredibly interesting. He actually has a 9.2 yards per, adjusted yards per pass attempt on his career, which is actually tied with what Justin Fields was in 2019. He's got a 5 to 1 TD to interception ratio and a 1.7% interception percentage, which would, I mean, that, that puts him in pretty rarefied air as, as, a, as a college pa- passer, really. And so a lot of people just see him as a runner because he, you know, we've seen some highlight plays. His 2018 year, he had, he had over 100 carries. And had like 14 rushing touchdowns. Um, even in just the four games he played last year, he had it 300 something yards and six TDs. So uh, obviously, people think of him as just a rusher. He's a little smaller than you want him to be. But if he puts up crazy numbers, I think some team is going to give him a chance. There are a couple other fun transfers at quarterback. I'm, I'm interested to see what Joey Gatewood uh, can do um, at, at Kentucky. I'm interested to see what Chase Bryce moving on from Clemson because obviously he's probably tired of being Trevor Lawrence's backup, and he knows he's not going to get a shot after that because DJ Young is going to be the guy after that. And I, I can't hardly say that name right uh, without uh, just laughing at myself. But Chase Bryce is moving on to Duke, uh, taking over an offense with not great receiving options, but they did just bring in another great uh, transfer tackle. Uh, to give him some offensive line help there. Uh, I think the run games, I mean, they, they returned Deion Jackson, some good uh, helpful support and veterans there uh, can help him slide in and, and succeed right away. Uh, and then Phil Jerkovic uh, from uh, Notre Dame is now with Boston College. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, Anthony Brown moved on to Oregon, obviously, so he's going to be 
He was the quarterback of Boston College, did pretty well. He's going to get a shot at Oregon probably to be the guy. That's going to be a lot of fun, so and trading places there. But Phil probably coming in getting immediate um, eligibility. That's likely for him. So uh, if he has a nice run game, he could uh, probably see some decent uh, stats, even though he might not have the passing volume that you typically want to see. He's probably going to have a, a decent opportunity there to showcase his skill set that he wasn't afforded the opportunity to show uh, at Notre Dame. And then let's see if Jake Bentley can move on to quarterback at Utah uh, and just see if he can get NFL stock one last time. Uh, he's had a strange uh, story trying to get like early eligibility coming out of high school uh, and you know just having some okay years and then looking like he's going to put it all together and then gets injured. Um, Jake Bentley, former South Carolina, now with Utah. They're replacing everything on that offense, pretty much. Everything on that defense, for the most part. They have basically the least returning production and experience of almost all Power 5 schools this year. But Jake Bentley, if he can make it work at a Utah program that's looking pretty strong, coming off a really good year where they almost made the playoff, uh, he could put his name into the Day 2 draft consideration hat as well but that's probably enough on quarterbacks but if you're really into super flex leagues and, and things like that those are names uh, that I'm going to be excited about uh, that you can you know if you're in college to Canton leagues or they're draftable in your Debbie leagues they're going to be names to watch I'm looking forward obviously Trey Lance for North Dakota State is, is a guy uh, that uh, he's not transferring but he's not on everybody's radar because he's you know North, North Dakota State that's another name to, to keep in your back pocket that not a lot of people are thinking about just yet, but he had like 28 touchdowns to zero interceptions last year. But moving on to some more wide receivers, the big name, another Penn State guy, I talked about Ricky Slade earlier, running back, but the wide receiver from the 2018 recruiting class for Penn State that just did not pan out for the Nittany Lions was Justin Shorter. The dude is huge. He's like 6'4", 220. I mean, he looks like... And plays like early early career like Demarius Thomas like that. He looks like he has that kind of home run uh, threat ability. He's got some crazy speed, uh, athleticism, size, whatever. He's just got everything you want to see. He ran like a four or five at six four two fifteen in high school. Uh, so really, I mean, this is a player that looked like even had kind of crazy AJ Green upside if he was just given an opportunity. But for whatever reason, didn't work out. And Dan Mullen is going to be the beneficiary of that not working out for Penn State. Dan Mullen being the Florida head coach, if you're not familiar with him. And Mullen's been really impressive. Uh, he's he's won wherever he's gone. And he's turned this Florida program into a national championship contender this year. So given their schedule, uh, given where the rest of the SEC is, if they can beat one of LSU or Georgia this year, they're probably going to be in contention to win the SEC uh, and, or at least compete for the championship and potentially squeak into the playoff. And if that's the case, and they have a, a feature, huge touchdown machine potential, Justin Shorter making plays all the way through the SEC championship game, all the way through into the college football playoff, that's a guy whose stock is going to explode just because people are going to see him in some feature moments. While, while Mullen doesn't tend to give his wide receivers incredible market share numbers, like a huge chunk of the overall passing game. Uh, he still can feature these guys in spots, as he did with uh, several wide receivers this past year. And so I think Justin Shorter is going to be that guy uh, ascending very quickly uh, in terms of his value this year. And I would talk more about Theo Howard going to Oklahoma, but obviously he was injured. I believe it was his Achilles as well. So depending on how early he can get back, 
maybe the end of this year he works into some snaps. Uh, but when he is healthy, uh, this is a guy who had like a 27% dominated rating uh, just a couple years ago for UCLA. I think when he is healthy, he's going to, in an uncomfortable way, uh, eat into the market share numbers of some of our favorite Oklahoma wide receivers that we want to be the next generation of uh, successful stud. With C.D. Lamb being gone, obviously there should be a lot of opportunity there. Uh, Charleston Rambo's returning, but beyond that, they don't have a ton of proven options. I mean, they've got Jaden Hazelwood, a lot of people want to get excited about. Theo Weiss, a lot of people want to get excited about. There's a few other guys at Oklahoma that we want to get excited about at wide receiver, but Theo Howard could play spoilers whenever he is healthy uh, if he does play at all this uh, late this season or if he just completely misses this year and comes back later on. He could kind of play spoilers even beyond this fall uh, without a lot of people even remembering that he's currently on the roster but uh, so that's Oklahoma that's that's the that's the big name obviously Spencer Rattler uh, Spencer Rattler rather uh, not only you know Netflix's QB1 star uh, but uh, a player that was possibly the best quarterback in his recruiting class uh, that's that's going to be interesting if he can connect with these wide receivers uh, this offense could be fun yet again this fall and it could coast another big 12 championship if uh, if you know Oklahoma State or Texas don't have something to say about it, or maybe Iowa State puts it together with Brock Purdy. But lots of players to always get excited about on Oklahoma. But uh, back to the SEC, because uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be a podcast where I was talking if I didn't mention Auburn players. Uh, Seth Williams, I think a lot of people like Seth Williams because he's a, he's a big-bodied guy that's fast enough. Uh, he looks, I mean, he's, he's going to be... You know, even before this year, he kind of already looks like next year's T. Higgins. Uh, might not have the crazy long, long speed, uh, but he's got better adjusted uh, production index numbers. He's got decent yards per team pass attempt numbers. He's got a really strong uh, final. Really, last year he had a pretty strong uh, dominator uh, rating. Uh, I think it was thirty-eight uh, percent. So really strong, uh, really high uh, adjusted production index already. But he can improve that this year even more so thanks to the incoming new offensive coordinator, Chad Morris. Obviously, he was with Arkansas, and that was not a pretty picture. That program has been gross for years. But Chad Morris also was the offensive coordinator for SMU when Cortland Sutton and Trey Quinn were there and absolutely shoveled every single last target down their throats <laughs> that year. So he loves to pair that big-bodied wide receiver with a smaller, shiftier guy that you can line up wherever, and he can he can win underneath and win with speed. And Anthony Schwartz is that guy. Anthony Schwartz has Olympic-level speed. He was, you know, low 10-second, 100-meter uh, dash, that kind of elite speed. He's probably the fastest guy in all of college football. So if, if Chad Morris sees that, sees that that pairing with Seth Williams and shoves every target down those two guys' throat, they're both going to fly up. Debbie draft boards, rookie draft boards, NFL draft boards for sure. Seth Williams is already a big name. Anthony Schwartz could finally get some market share himself, which could be really, really enticing given his speed. I think he, you know, a lot of people would immediately say, oh, he's the next Tyreek Hill. I can already hear the narrative. So that's that's on the table. And then Tank Bigsby uh, there too can't, can't really just can't say enough about how good he is. Uh, top five rookie running back. I think I've already talked about him on an, another podcast this spring, but he comes in and looks like a feature back. He can catch the ball. He's already, he's, you know, six, six foot 210 maybe already. Uh, he looks like a feature, and I think he's going to pass up D.J. Williams. D.J. Williams 
is the other guy who's re- who's the returning incumbent. I mean, with with Jatarvius Whitlow being gone on paper, you'd think, oh, DJ Williams is going to slide in and be the guy. And I think early on that could be the case. A lot of people that are Debbie football fans think he's really good. I don't think he's near as good as Tank Bigsby. So I think Bigsby, that is his job early. And he looks immediately looks like a better version of Carrion Johnson uh, and puts together a strong three years as, and is, is a Debbie darling very quickly uh, and uh, f- college football favorite very soon in his career. But that's enough about Auburn. Let's talk about a few before I close up here. Talk about a few other guys that aren't transfers. Uh, again, hasn't been all transfers, uh, but uh, just want to talk about some wide receivers as well that could see some change in their stock because of people that are leaving. Obviously, if going back West Coast, we look at uh, you know Michael Pittman departing uh, from USC. That leaves ample opportunity for the trio of wide receivers that are there. You've got Tyler Vaughns, you've got Drake, Drake London, who actually had a pretty decent showing as a true freshman. And then, of course, Amon Ra St. Brown, which was the other huge name uh, in recruiting circles at, at wide receiver in the same class as Justin Shorter, like I already mentioned. But Amon Ra St. Brown, uh, if, if you care about the numbers, if you care about adjusted pro- production profile numbers, Amon Ra needs a big breakout year. Uh, he has not had that to date. He's got like, he capped out, I think, at 22% market share or dominator rating, rather. Uh, he's got uh, decent yards per team pass attempt numbers, which actually have been proven to uh, be more meaningful than dominator rating. But I, I want to see him break out and Keaton Slovis just connect with him more downfield this year. A lot of that was Drake London. A lot of that was Michael Pittman last year. I think both Amon Ross St. Brown and Drake London can break out in a huge way. Uh, this year, Drake London could have an early, early breakout, uh, maybe hit the 30%, uh, 30% threshold we like to see with Amon Ra up there right next to him. And I think Tyler Vaughn's, he, he's going to get the respectful targets he, he deserves, but he's not the, the day two guy that I think a lot of us thought he could be. He's more of a late round uh, wide receiver. So this off this offseason, it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be USC looking at Amon Ra, St. Brown, and Drake London to be the one-two punch now that Michael Pittman is gone. So if that's the case, it's going to be a a really fun season because Keaton Slovis last year put together some ridiculous numbers and and really maintaining efficiency across that high volume. So if he does that and finds those two guys, both of them end up with 1,100 yards plus, it's going to be a fun season out west. But hopping back to the other coast, but over to Clemson because that's uh, I don't think it'd be a college football uh, mentioned podcast at all if we if we didn't mention uh, Clemson. Uh, you got obviously I mentioned T-, T Higgins leaving going to the NFL probably should be an early selection day two guy easy and they yes they do still have Justin Ross who is a just hoss of a man at, at wide receiver should be the go to option this year already put together two decent years he definitely still needs to kind of fix his. Uh, capped market share but that's not really what the modern Clemson wide receiver does they don't eat up a a giant chunk of the targets for the most part I mean T Higgins he kind of he kind of capped out at what was it I think it was like 27 percent or something 29 percent adjusted dominator rating was was as high as he could go and that's not perfect we like to see 30 here at Rotoviz but I think he could have a year where he gets up that near that 30 percent uh, and Joe and Gata, Joseph and Gata, rather he, he, either way, whatever you want to call him, he is probably going to be the other guy that rises up this year and becomes the next generation of just stud, huge monster of a man wide receiver. Uh, he was one of my favorite wide receivers uh, as, as a freshman 
coming into the process last year. Uh, looks a lot like you know just an alpha six three huge monster. Uh, really, it's going to be it's pick your poison this year because just like it was last year with Higgins and Ross, it's just going to be Gata and Ross again. Uh, so I think uh, he could immediately see some decent market share there. And then going to another college football playoff contender, uh, back to Ohio State. I know we already talked about Trey Sermon. I already talked about Justin Fields. But just to close it out here, Garrett Wilson, uh, he was supposed to be the best wide receiver in last year's recruiting class. And he did put together some flashy plays here and there. But, I mean, his obviously his production profile is if he was entering the NFL like right now, it would be like a, you know, like a, his, adduction, his adjusted production index would actually be like fifth percentile or something really bad like that. So not exactly what you want to see there. So I, I hope he sees some decent market share numbers now that, you know, KJ Hill, Benjamin Victor, Austin Mack are all gone. Obviously, Chris Olave is still there and he's going to see a huge ascension because he's going to put up another dozen touchdowns and he's going to have two back to back years with a dozen scores from Justin Fields. And he'll be draft eligible next year. We'll have to wait another year for Garrett Wilson, but Garrett Wilson should see some numbers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can get up to even kind of an adjusted production index uh, similar to what Michael Thomas did uh, back uh, when he was in college. Because I think he's got that kind of NFL. Uh, well, it's it's hard to predict anybody is going to have that level of, of success, but he could easily work into a day two capital type type player if he gets up to a decent uh, adjusted production profile. Uh, for sure. But uh, that's about all I got for this episode. I hope this uh, was very helpful. If you have any questions on any of the names I mentioned uh, on this podcast for college football, for, you know, whether that's college fantasy football, Debbie leagues, uh, future NFL draft consideration, I'd be glad to talk to you more about that. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. Be glad to talk more about that. And we are going to get back to rookie discussion here very soon uh, with Curtis Patrick on future episodes. And you still can buy your rookie guide. Uh, the Dynasty Command Center rookie guide has been immensely popular this year and uh, even more so than last. And it's just been a lot of fun putting together. Uh, we're going to have the third edition. We've already had the first like pre-everything, pre-combine. We had a post-combine. And now we're going to have the post NFL draft edition of that uh, here, I guess, in the next few weeks, really, already coming up. So check that out. You can There's actually a page dedicated just to the Rookie Guide on the Rotoviz website. Uh, check that out. And the pieces, if you have any questions on any of the transfers and things like that, I wrote up uh, some of the transfers and uh, some, some of his historical numbers for, for success on transfers as well, uh, if you just find that on the Rotoviz site. But thanks for joining us on another Dynasty Command Center podcast. And until next time, keep living that dynasty life. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. 
Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.